Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Hey there, enthusiasts. Welcome to an all-veteran episode of Hero Talk, just in time for Veterans Day. I am your host, Judge Greg. Joining me today is Brian. Brian, how you doing? Howdy. All right, and today's film, appropriately enough, is Captain America, The Winter Soldier, the 2014 American superhero film featuring the titular character, Captain America. As always, listeners, Hero Talk is a spoiler podcast. Nothing is off the table. Everything is fair game. You've been warned. At this point, the only thing we don't know yet is Doctor Strange. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's the only movie that hasn't come out yet that that we haven't seen. It's probably come out. When does it come out? Friday. Okay, yeah, so this Friday, which will be last Friday for Veterans yes. Day. <laughs> I don't pre-record these. <laughs> right, so Doctor Strange is about the only thing that, that I haven't seen yet. Uh, and, and I don't watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I have no idea how much that worked into this or not. No, it's it's the, the, more, the way Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has been working is more it feeds off the movies rather than the movies feeding off of it. Yeah, and so, I also haven't seen Luke Cage yet, but I don't, I don't, I think I'm pretty safe. Yeah, <laughs> I don't see a lot of overlap between Luke Cage and, and Winter Soldier. No, uh, those, those things aren't big enough scale. No. Anyway, uh, so here's a funny story, Brian, and I don't, I don't know if I've ever said this on a Hero Talk before. Do you know that I've actually, uh, I previously tried to record a Captain America Winter Soldier Hero Talk? No, you didn't mention that. No. So this is this this goes way back. All right, this is predates Enthusiacs. So really? it was still in the theaters, and and me and Vernon actually recorded a, a full podcast on Captain America Winter Soldier, and we had about every technical issue known to man, uh, except except for the recording not happening, which has happened more than once, and I've discussed it very publicly. But uh, I mean, it was the his sound kept shorting, the call got disconnected a bunch of times, Skype was just having a terrible time keeping the call, uh, the audio quality was bad, he skipped in and out a lot, and I when I finally got the audio. Audio and I listened to it. I said, "Well, this is completely unusable because uh, I had planned to do it when I when I put out that initial surge of releases way at the beginning of Enthusiax. I I had all the raw audio and I said, "All right, so this will help and this will be you know help me with my buffer and I'll, I'll put this one out." And I listened to the audio and I said, "I can't." The, the amount of effort it would have taken to turn that audio into a listenable podcast would have been astronomical, and I think the end result would have been maybe only a half hour of salvageable audio for that. Jeez. Yeah. So I just, I finally just said, like, I can't do it. I'm yeah. sorry. Like this, we're we're gonna have to re-record it somewhere down the line. And I even want to say, back when I first started talking to you about being on Hero Talk, this was one of the big ones you wanted to be on. Yeah. And and I told you, as I am wont to do, I said, well, if you want to be on Winter Soldier, you're gonna have to do all the other Marvel ones first. Which I think I was on board for. Like the first one I jumped on was Guardians. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, we we had a pretty good run, uh, and you know, we still have a good run. I shouldn't say we're not closing anything. You're still gonna be in Hero Talks. <laughs> that sounded very final. Uh, <laughs> but We've had so, a good run so far. Yeah, we have a good run so far, but here we are. So finally, about eighteen months to a two years after you asked me, you're finally doing the Captain America Winter Soldier Hero Talk. <laughs> yeah. But we, I felt like we needed to hit a good chunk of the Marvel Cinematic Universe along the way. We still have a couple of bumps in the first phase we haven't hit yet, uh, and we'll get we'll get to those eventually. But I felt like it was really important that we caught up a little bit because we were behind. I mean, we were yeah. way behind, and I, I just said, okay, we got we got to catch up. Like we're, we're phase three is in full swing right now, and we still haven't finished phase two yet. So 
Mm-hmm. It was it was time. So here We're we are. On the end. Well, actually, like we do this, I think that's the end of phase two, unless we still got to do Ragnarok. Uh, no, we have to do Avengers two, and then okay. we can move oh, yeah, on. Yeah, that is part of phase two. Yeah, I get if you consider that. I like the Avengers movies are like the uh, the the tent poles there that that's right divide yeah, the phases. Like, this so, is the end of the phase, but it's part of that phase. Yeah. yeah. So once once we do Captain America, I think we can I think we can move on to uh, Avengers two. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves because we have Captain America: The Winter Soldier. This was easily my favorite movie of phase two i dare say it's probably been my favorite movie in the marvel cinematic universe and bear in mind i've seen civil war i think i like this one better it it is it is really hard uh to to, to decide which one i like better both are just fantastic yeah they were they were very well done and uh so this was directed by the russo brothers and i love the russo brothers you know the I, i didn't realize this at the time but um, the, the more, the, like, once I started hearing about it, the, like, the more it made sense. Like, I'm a big fan of community. Mm-hmm. And when they said, like, you know, they did a lot of community episodes and, like, the one that stuck out was, um, a fistful of paintballs. Yeah. And a few paintballs more, I think, I think were the two titles. Mm-hmm. Um, just like the two parter paintball episode at the end of season two. Like, I can see the influence there and it really works. And it, it, it they really translated it. Well, from like a comic, a comedy with action to an action with lightheartedness. Yes. And it really worked. And, and I love how they, they pulled in Danny Pudi. Yeah, I know. It was a, a, cameo it was a great cameo. Yeah. I mean, I, they did a phenomenal job. I, I love it. It's got all the action beats. I mean, it uh, usually we nitpick the crap out of these movies on Hero Talk. And I'm I'm very hard up to nitpick on it. Like, the stuff I have is such minor, like, the, the, the smallest of the smallest nitpicks. Because this movie was generally, I mean, action movies tend to leave a lot of bigger plot holes. And while there's a couple in here more or less i mean it, it's pretty spot on and most of the stuff that you would consider plot holes is really only because these guys didn't do the other marvel movies to adequately foreshadow the events of this movie because stuff goes down in this movie oh god yeah this one was a game changer you know when i mentioned that um agents of shield feeds off the movies like this obviously this one had huge yeah. Huge implications for Agents of Shield. Like, I had it shook to. up. It shook up the last half of the first season for them. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder how much the writers there have an idea of what's going on. Like what, what kind of a heads up they get. You mean a- Agents of Shield? Yeah, the Agents of Shield writers. Oh, like, do you yeah, think, I'm you sure think Marvel comes to them and says, "Stop writing scripts. You have to wait until after Winter Soldier." Well, I'm sure, like you know, like Feige. I don't know if he keeps like you know a micromanage micromanagerial control over the whole thing, but he probably has like. Guys who write scripts for movies send him like a general idea of what they're doing, what kind of direction they're going to take it in, so that that way he can pass it on to everybody else. Like, hey, this these guys doing this before you are doing this. Um, figure out if you need to incorporate that or not. Yeah, I just uh, how do you how do you think it feels when you're like a producer on Agents of Shield and you get a memo? And the memo says we're blowing up Shield. You know, he's like, um, do I still have a job or? What do you want me to do? Or it's well, well now I get to have some fun. Yeah, or that's the other is like, oh great, I don't I don't have to worry about some work. I can basically take all of this cast members. We go underground, and now I've got a. I mean, and they've they've gone in some weird directions with that show. I have not kept up with it because I did not like the first season. Yeah, well, the 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 problem the problem with the first season, at least in the very beginning, they were trying to establish what it was. 
and it was your typical sci-fi monster or technology of the day. It really, it really was. Episode. Yeah. Yes. But then when Shield went down, you then had an objective, an overarching objective for the cast to chase, and that made it much more interesting. Mm-hmm. And you especially got like more of it in season two and season three. And I haven't seen any of season four yet, um, but I imagine it's, it's got kind of the same thing going. You know, like they, they kind of what they've been doing lately is they've been setting up. Here's here's going to be the big overarching theme, the the overarching bad guy. Like, remember Powers Booth, his character in Avengers one? Yes. He showed up in season three of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, interesting. As a big player in Hydra. No kidding. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I mean, it gave him somewhere to go. I hear that Ghost Rider showing up at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. now. Yes. yeah. This is, Actually, this entire season is called Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Ghost Rider. That is, and I have like, yet that, to watch it. I want to see it. took some courage, I, I'll tell you that, to say, we're going to make Ghost Rider work in this universe. Well, that's the other thing. They didn't – they haven't – like, it, it's it's not the the more commonly known Ghost Rider. It's not Johnny Blaze. Oh, it's not? Oh. No, it's it's Robbie Reyes, a very okay. recent okay. Uh, Ghost Rider who uses a car rather than Wait, uh, oh, a motorcycle. Whoa, 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 what? No, that's not Ghost Rider. They, they screwed it up. No, no, it, it is – that, this is actually a, a Ghost Rider from the comics. Ghost Rider. I don't care if he's from the comics. I I like. I know Ghost Rider is hard to do. Like trying to give him his own movie is is difficult. I like Ghost Rider when he shows up and he's in somebody else's book and he's there for a panel and then he takes off again because he's got other ghost writing to do. Doctor Strange is the same way. I don't know how he's going to carry his own film. Apparently, he's carrying it pretty well. But I don't know much about Robbie Reyes, but it sounds like. Kind of what you just said, like, you know, he's kind of he's part of somebody else's universe right now. It could be, you know, Johnny Blaze and Danny Ketch might be too dark for something like TV. And they they might be looking into a way to make it work in Netflix. But yeah, but they've got Robbie Reyes in like in, in a muscle car. For well, I, I think yeah. I think Nick Cage kind of burned the Johnny Blaze bridge right now. It should be like they had to like re- they had to establish something else before they tried him again. Yeah, you need you need a little bit of a, a palate cleanser before you you try. Yeah. Oh boy. All right. Anyway, we're talking about Captain America: Winter Soldier, a movie <laughs> that's way too good for us to go off on an Agents of Shield tangent. <laughs> Way too good for us to be this far off topic. Uh, this cast was stellar. It did think, I mean, it really shook up the universe. The only problem was is that the big mystery of the Winter Soldier was not a mystery at all to anybody who was even tangentially familiar with the character from the comic books. I knew exactly what was coming. Oh yeah, there was there was no question. Um, there is a little bit of silliness to the star on his shoulder because the star made a lot of sense in the comics when he was a uh, a Soviet assassin. That's doesn't right. make a lot of sense as a Hydra assassin. You know, it, it kind of it, it kind of would if you think about it, because if he was based in Russia, it was probably a false flag kind of thing, like make you think he's Soviet rather than Hydra. Because remember, at this point, Hydra was underground. Everyone thought it it died with the Red Skull. Mm-hmm. So you so rather than put the Hydra mark on his arm, you put the Red Star. So everyone thinks he's just you know because everyone would expect a Russian assassin. You yeah. don't, you know, it. You, you, you know, if yeah, any guess, survivors sees I mean, a Hydra logo, yeah, you they make think, a good oh my point. God, Hydra's still around. Yeah, you don't want to put a Hydra logo if your whole thing is that you you've disappeared. Yeah, you don't exist exactly. anymore. Exactly. But yeah, so I mean, excellent script. It uh, it blew up Shield. It, it infiltrated Hydra. I I love the story. But before we get too far into the story, we gotta we have to talk about the cast. Understanding that we've talked about a lot of these people before, but <laughs> it has been a while, so we can maybe re retread 
some old ground here. Uh, Chris Evans as Captain America is still uh, an astounding casting choice, and I'm a big fan. Yeah, and I've said I've said it. I think I've said this before, and I'll say it again. You know, when I first heard he was going to be Captain America, my first thought was, "Oh my God, he's too much of a pretty boy." Like too much of a goofball, pretty boy. Like there's no way this is gonna work. Yeah, and he and had he in, had the unfortunate history of being the Human Torch, and a lot of people are like, so Johnny Storm is gonna. Well, not just that. There there have been other movies like in the Loser. Um, yeah. The, the Losers. Um, there was one cellular. Like it wasn't a good movie, but mm-hmm. like I still kind of remember what kind of character he was. And I was just like, that's that's he's not going to work as Captain America. And- I'm, yeah, I mean, they announce it. And, and I've, of course, my brain goes to him wearing a whipped cream bikini in not another teen movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Yep. That's a that's a thing that happened. That's on yep. the Internet. You can look that up, people. <laughs> it's still a funny movie. Yeah. You know, um, but he in what's it like five movies now? He's completely proven me wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, he is. But Captain America, as a character, is one of my favorite superheroes. He stands as my absolute favorite from the Marvel universe. So if if I was talking about a hero I liked more than Captain America, I would have to talk about a DC hero. We would be talking about Batman, mm. and I'd be hard pressed to think of other people besides Batman I maybe like more than Captain America. Yeah, Perhaps I mean, Perhaps Green Lantern, maybe? I don't know. I do like Captain America quite a bit. I mean, Captain America gets a lot of flack because, and, and I think this was before the movies came out, like, he gets a lot of flack for being the goody-goody, you know? Yeah. For, for, for being a Boy Scout, for being the guy who always does the right thing, you know? It's, like, I mean, he's basically criticized for never having a dark side. Like, no, that really makes him a more interesting character because, like, there is a dark side, you know, kind of like what he said in Avengers 2. He said, like, let's just say you haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. What makes him interesting is he can keep that subdued. Right. You know, through everything after everything he's been through. He plays the character very layered. Yeah. I mean, it, and it's very challenging to play a character who's from the 40s, but not play him in a a cornball way. To yeah, play him like, and to play him like, all right, so he has adjusted. He's still an intelligent person, you know. It's he doesn't think everybody's a witch, but he still he grew up with a certain set of values from a certain time period, and he is trying to translate those and trying to adjust to modern day with the values he grew up with. It's a challenge. Now, if I'm, I'm going to just go ahead and if we peek across the aisle at DC, Superman kind of has the same basic makeup in terms of, of his disposition as Captain America in the comics. But in the movies, they, they took Superman and they tried to, you know, make him, you know, maybe not as optimistic, maybe not truth, justice in the American way. And they, they take Superman and they make him dark and gritty and it doesn't work. And people are seeing his movie and yeah. saying, why isn't Superman smiling? He doesn't seem like he's, you know, the same Superman. He seems way too dark. And then... You, you look back at Chris Evans in Captain America and you think, like, it can work. He can be a complicated, complex character who still can be for, you know, these certain set of values, which he would nominally share with Superman, and still have a dark side and still be modern. It, you can make it work. And it's it's like, just it's the, odd to see how well it works here versus how it just hasn't quite been able to resonate on the DC side of things. Like the problem with um, the Henry Cavill Superman is it's 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 not that he's he's serious you know obviously you know you, you've got a you've got a character that gets put into some dangerous situations 
you know, especially like if he's invulnerable, you know, the people he's trying to protect are, are in danger. Of course, he's going to be serious. Captain America, he's not invincible. Mm-hmm. But so so, I mean, he this these situations may be easier for him than it would be for others. But, you know, it's still a stressful situation. So, yes, those times are going to be serious. But you need to balance that with the optimistic the like i, I think I, I look at i look at the way captain america acts like he has his values from the 40s but you know he comes in and is like okay so these things aren't aren't really valued the same way anymore i get that i'm 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 just going to let this go but there are some things i'm putting my foot down on yeah. like i'm not budging on this he's and this is this movie got kind of political um mm-hmm. in in a in a way that was almost very libertarian in terms of captain america stands for a certain set of values that you can't point a gun at people and say you better be good yeah. so that's not the way to live that's not true freedom and i mean it was it, it was a very it's a bold move because a lot of times they try not to make these characters take too much of a stand on things certain things work better in you know in a fictional world than they do in a real world i understand that i have made some choices in mass effect games that i don't actually believe in yeah but, but did it for the sake of you know the, the entertainment of what i was into at the time but i mean it was uh it, it was it definitely showed the 1940s ideals and i say he's just he's very idealistic he's trusting he's not cynical and yeah. he's he it was it was very refreshing to have a character who can still survive as not cynical yet still be a modernized character you know you never felt like he was oh golly gosh gee i'm in way over my head but he's a character who is he's out of time and and he knows that he's out of time and he's just trying to balance it and he's he's still trying to be the same person and trying to live up with what to what he believes is right even though he's in a far more cynical and a little bit darker world like I think I don't I don't I didn't see it so much as libertarian so much as just anti-tyrannical. What was happening was, you know, over like the, over the last like let's say 70 years, you know, since he was frozen in ice, um we, we, we as a like our our leadership, our our agencies, you know, have compromised and then compromised again and compromised again and just made excuses each time. But it's been so gradual, you know, like they don't even notice it. At least that that's what yeah. the movie is presenting. Right. And it, it's um, kind of scary when when they they say it, when Barnum Zola is saying that. Yeah, because it's 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 very scary that you might think like that. It seems plausible that if we all just gradually give up a little bit of freedom for a little bit of security sooner or later we're in a tyranny we didn't even notice yeah i'm not i'm not pushing the agenda that that's what our government is doing uh i'm not trying to go that direction but i'm saying for the sake of this movie you can look look at the world around you and think like that's a feasible explanation for the sake of trying to take our own actual real world and apply it to this movie setting yeah and 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 the thing is like cap has skipped 70 years of compromise yeah. to where he can see this and, and see it as a huge leap and go, no, this is bad. You know, like Fury tries to explain it away by like to him, it's an it's it's just a compromise to yeah. him. It's not it's not that big a deal. But with Cap seeing how far we've come in the last 70 years as the movie presents it, he, he, it's a huge shock to him. And he's able to stand up and go, no, this is wrong. Yeah. Now the the unfortunate part is that you know the whole the 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 plan that they had in place in order to have the big guns up in the air pointed at everybody in order to make it so that everyone can be on board you basically have to create something that's so over the top 
that everyone says, no, that's a step too far. And it does kind of it create a little bit of dissonance in, like, even Nick Fury has to see that that's a little too far. I think the, the way he was saying it, from, from what I could see, was he he was saying, as long as it's in our hands, it's okay, because we're not going to use it unless we absolutely need to. Um, but then when he starts to, like, figure somebody has messed with, with the intel that's on the drive he got from the ship, he he goes, okay. Somebody else might have might have a hand in this. I have to stop this right now. Yeah, and so you can kind of see like his his heart's in the right place, but he but but he's still acting a little. You know, he's being Nick Fury. He's he's overreaching. Right. So speaking of that, we're just, we're gonna jump real quick into that story. So there was a plot point. I didn't even notice it until I I just watched the movie for this podcast. Uh, Robert Redford was talking about it that he believed that Nick Fury was behind the hijacking of the ship. And I had thought that he was just framing him and trying to put it that way so Cap would, would turn on Fury. But when when Natasha found out about it and she said it makes a lot of sense, I started to wonder, do you think he actually was behind it because he just wanted to get his hands and, like, his mission to Natasha to get that thumb drive was totally think, off the books? And that was just him saying, this is a way for me to get a hold of this information. I think Natasha was N- – Natasha was still – is in that mindset of, like, I trust the leaders over me blindly. So when so when Cap presents this theory to her, it's like, well, there's a good reason for it. I uh I kind of gave it some thought, and I thought it's very possible that Nick Fury actually did set up the the hijacking simply so that he could get Natasha on board that ship with a thumb drive. I mean that's I mean that's very possible. If it, if that wasn't actually like intel he had in the first place, like she described it as recovering intel, right? But if it was locked. Mm-hmm. And he didn't understand why. I think that that would it was it that, was feasible, and I didn't hear anything yeah. that that actually counteracted that. They dropped the point soon after that. They really did because I think they wanted to. They may have exploited and deleted scenes, but they probably stopped at it just at just the right point where where you could just say, "Oh no, that's just Redford feeding him lies." Yeah, but anyway. Uh, so moving on down the list, we mentioned her a couple times. So uh, Scarlett Johansson as the Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff. I I actually I very much like Scarlett Johansson in these movies. I kind of like. Scarlett Johansson in general, just as an actress. She's been in some stuff I didn't like, uh, like Lucy. I'm going to pull that out. I did not like Lucy. Still haven't seen it. You just don't. Just okay. do not see it. I, I know it sounds like it'd be neat. It's not. It's like it's one of those things that's an interesting concept, but probably very poorly executed. Extremely poorly executed. So I watched it on a plane, and uh, the guy behind me, after the movie was done, like I put it away, and he, he, uh, he grabbed my shoulder, and he said, that looked awful. <laughs> he wasn't even listening to it was he no he didn't even listen to it he just saw it over over my shoulder and he was just as soon as it was done he said that looked awful <laughs> i just i'm just saying i'm like wow uh, i couldn't you know all i'm gonna say like it was yeah it was awful but, yeah, I mean, that, she's been in other stuff. She was in, uh, she was in the Prestige. I liked her in that. Uh, the Island is uh, the one I, I I go to. I the Island yeah, that, is that was the, one of is, my that was one, I think my first movie. The first movie I saw with her in it, and I really liked The Island. I, I love The Island. I know it's a Michael Bay film, and <laughs> everyone likes to just poo-poo Michael Bay, but that's the movie I look to and I say he can do a good movie because I really love The Island. Well, here I, I look at I look at Michael Bay's movies, and I like anything where he gets to like tell his story is where he is where he shines. Mm-hmm. You know, I like 
The Rock may be like the exception to the rule, but you look at like the Bad Boys movies, you know, yeah. Pain and Gain got a lot of really good attention. You know, if he's telling the story he wants to tell, he's good. Yeah, it's it's when you give him something like Transformers or I guess people like the second Ninja Turtle. So I don't know. Maybe he did a good job with that. I one. think they liked it more than the first one. I don't think they liked it. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen either one and I would like to. But just because I'd like to watch it doesn't mean I'm going to take the time to do it. You know, I think I think one of them's on Prime on Amazon Prime now. If you the first one's on Amazon one Prime. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I still haven't seen it. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, so I, I liked her in this. Uh, she makes a good contrast to Captain America, and I was I was a little nervous watching the movie because I really thought they were going to try to make her the romantic interest. I was afraid of that, too. And I don't want to see that. I, I, I'm perfectly okay with her and Cap pairing up. They make a good pairing because she's like, well, Captain America is, has very centralized ideals and, and, a, and a, very, a very firm moral compass. She lives in moral gray so much that yeah. she doesn't really know which way's up and which way's down and she is very very cynical and it makes her a great character to have with captain america and they had a great chemistry and i just found out that a lot of the lines where they had dialogue with each other they wrote for themselves oh that's cool yeah which, well, which yeah, helps I, I, because it made it fa- it made it very very fluid when they're just talking to each other they have a great chemistry and i i was glad it didn't get mucked up with the romantic interest as much as they were just they were through a series of events together and they were pushing towards the same goal together yeah like her her, her character is it, it presents a very interesting dichotomy for for cap you know like especially you sit you, you watch them in the truck when they're when they're running like you know they just yeah, it's like, so where did Captain America learn how to steal a car? We're borrowing it and take your feet off the dash. And he, uh, but it's like, she, she tries to present him like, look, the world works this way now. And he says, I don't care. I'm doing it this way. And in some ways, like, like she is presenting a more realistic approach. He's presenting more idealistic, a more idealistic approach. But there are, are times when like you listen to his idealism and it's like, you know, we, maybe we should be looking at it this way. Yeah. Well, for he, instance, when he says that, I'm like, no, Cap, that's that's not actually how it works. It's what, it's the, not it's not borrowing <laughs> if, if you didn't get permission and you hotwired it. Yeah, yeah. Bear in mind that person did not get that car back. It got wrecked. Mm. So yeah, when when the when the bunker got bombed. <laughs> yeah. So that that wasn't that wasn't borrowing. You stole the car and you got it blown up with a missile. Yeah. But like just like the way he was thinking, like he he intended to return it, but it still he he still took it without permission. Yeah. But 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 even then, like he's still like he's insisting Natasha respect it, you know? Right. Exactly. Uh, so moving on. Uh, so the Winter Soldier, the other titular character in this movie, played by Sebastian Stan, who is Bucky Barnes. I guess we might as well just get that out of the way now. It was Bucky. Yep. Uh, reprising his role from the first Captain America. And they made it work. You know, it's, uh, I find that I really like Sebastian Stan in this. Now, Sebastian Stan, if I remember correctly, his contract is for some ridiculous number of movies, like nine movies in total. That's what I heard. And he's only been in three so far, right? Two or three. It's been three, right? At least Captain America's. I don't think he showed up in Avengers at all. No, no, he didn't. No, he didn't show up again until Civil War. Yeah. So that's a, is he going to be the new Cap? I think well he he was for a very brief time in the comics. Yeah, but like, the thing is, is right now Sam Wilson is also Cap, so you got sort of two heir apparents 
in the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now, but nine movies is a lot of... That's more than Chris Evans signed on for. Yeah. So what, some, what I, somebody was thinking of something there. What what I can kind of see happening, I don't know how many con, how many movies um, Anthony Mackie's on contract for, but what I can kind of see happening, and like this would play out in like kind of a shorter... Um, shorter space of time than than it did for than it did in the comics i could see them you know after they pull pull bucky out of uh, out of cryo um i'm guessing in black panther or maybe Maybe. infinity war yeah my my thought it's either going to be in the black panther he might guest in the guest in black panther i don't think when i think a good black panther story i don't necessarily think winter soldier so he might cameo in it but he's not gonna you know yeah they might mention that he's there you know someone might come yeah my guess is infinity war will be the next time that we see bucky yeah i can i i can see some some movie somewhere where he is like you know for whatever reason steve rogers can no longer be cap um they try to get him to do it and like for most of the movie, you know, he tries it out, doesn't really work. And at the very end, he says, you know what? I, I don't think this is for me here, Sam, you do it. Yeah, that, that's how I see it going down. But I'm not a movie writer. So, yeah, I don't know. So I, I heard tell that uh, he didn't actually know that he was coming back for the sequel until somebody told him that the next movie was going to be called Winter Soldier. And he put two and two together. <laughs> That's, you know, you'd think that'd be something like, as soon as they start writing Winter Soldier, they would let him know, hey, we need you. You you would think his nine-picture deal would kind of clue him in that he's going to be in the sequel at some point or another. Well, well, what I took away from that was he didn't realize he was going to be in the very next one. Like, it was going to take a while. Yeah. But you'd think once they come up with that title and therefore that concept, they could clue him in, like... Okay, be ready for a script. Mm-hmm. So I, one thing I, I noticed is, well, he had the mask on for the sake of keeping it a surprise for people who have never read a Winter Soldier comic in their yeah. entire lives. And I was thinking, when they show the flashback of him as a Winter Soldier assassin in Civil War, was he wearing that same mask? Because I don't think he was. Um, I don't know. It was really hard to tell. They kept it. They kept the bottom of his face um dark. Yeah, I I can't remember, and I didn't see Civil War all that long ago either. But I I just I can't remember. But you know what? No, I don't think no they didn't because, and I think they did this on purpose. Like you're talking about where they where he goes and kills the Starks, right? Yep. Sorry, spoiler, that- folks. <laughs> <laughs> it's a spoiler podcast. I warned you. Yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> he kills he did. the Starks. Um, no, like I think they intentionally left the mask on. Like they might have considered it. But I think they intentionally left it off because there's that point where he looks into the camera mm-hmm. and then oh, you're Tony right. he does. sees and recognizes him. Yeah, he looks directly at the camera. Yeah, so it makes me wonder like when, when that mask showed up. But so here's here's how I worked that out in my head. The mask was new and he didn't like it, which is why he never tried to recover it after it got taken off of him. It it might have been they were trying to keep. I don't know, if, like. For for whatever reason, they knew he was going to start interacting with um, Rogers yeah. more. Yeah, do you think maybe because like, they knew that he was going to be around with Rogers, like after Rogers got thawed out, they're like, oh, we should probably put a mask on this guy just in case. Yeah, like it's like okay, yes, it would mess with with Rogers' head, but it would also cause him to reach out to him and undo everything we've been doing. So we 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 just got to keep him under wraps. Yeah, I got the impression they had no intention of using him to mess with his head. He was just he was their toy and then they definitely did not want him reaching yeah. out to Rogers. Um to the point where they wiped his head again in order to go back after Rogers so that he wouldn't have any memories, but well, clearly it didn't take. 
Because yeah, he was well, still something lingering when he went back out there. I mean, the human brain is a very strange thing, and I'm sure just zapping yeah. it with a, your, your brain thing there didn't help. I also noticed that in this movie, his arm was a lot noisier than it was in Civil War. Yes, I I completely agree. Like, they definitely made a big point. Like, this is a mechanical arm. Yeah, and I felt like after Winter Soldier, they felt it was established enough. We don't need to make mechanical sounds anymore. Uh, I like yeah. the arm effects in this, though. You know, when he starts to flex and, like, the, the all the plates in his arm start to, to move around when he flexes. Yeah, you can hear stuff. all the shifting and, the, and yeah. everything grinding underneath. Like, And I think that actually kind of, because he's a villain in the, at this point, that helps, like, that helps like increase the menace. Yes, coming from him. Oh, it absolutely does. I I loved it. It was very well done. His first appearance was when uh in in the uh Sam Jackson car scene. And yes. He makes an impact when he shows up. It's like you know everyone else has been chasing you and you've been knocking them around like they're not like they're nothing. You know, I just fire this little mine at you, and I've I've got you dead to rights. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was very well done. Now, normally, I would be critiquing the movie for waiting so long to release the Winter Soldier in a movie called Winter Soldier. But given that the movie was extremely entertaining up until that point, and he showed up, and he made a huge impact, I'm just going to go ahead and say, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, well, I think... I think that they, that was like the first time like Hydra really made their move, you know? Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, moving on with the cast, we have all right. So one of my personal favorites. Uh, I love Anthony Mackie. I the the man. He just he has so much fun and so much charisma. And I loved him in this movie as Sam Wilson from his first appearance on screen, yelling at Steve Rogers for passing him. <laughs> yes. I, I was endeared to this character. I continue to be endeared to this character. I, even when he showed up in Ant-Man, I was kind oh, of yeah. on his side. I, I love him. I, he's, he's a great character. I, I like having him around. Uh, man, I have, I have nothing bad to say. Anthony Mackie absolutely owned this role. He took it on. He made it his own. Uh, I loved having him. I like, in the same way that I like Rhodey, when you have this character that's so extraordinary, like Captain America and like Tony Stark, it's nice to have another character who's, you know, again, he's he's just did his time in the service. You know, Anthony Mackie did his paramilitary or pararescue in the military, uh, much like Rhodey was, I would say, a Marine, because that's the, the Rhodey I know more often, but the <laughs> yeah. Air Force in, in their movie. But they did their time in the service, but they're well-trained, they were good, they're squared away, and they're able to stand up next to these larger-than-life characters and say, I'm here too. And I yeah. especially like him, you know, as a VA counselor, because it really made it an impact on his relationship with Cap, where he's like, it doesn't matter if you just came back from Iraq, you just came back from Afghanistan, or you just came back from World War II Germany. I know what you're going through, and I'm here for you. I'm I'm someone that you can talk to, because, you know, I know what I'm doing. And he did a great job. I hear he really, really wanted to be in one of these Marvel movies, and they were more than happy to let him do it, and he was just you could just see it when he's on on the screen that he loves doing it and it's just the energy he brings is unparalleled from anybody else in any of the movies that I've seen so far there are not enough good things to say about Anthony Mackie in this film I loved him I I want him to show up in all the Marvel movies now yeah I mean I don't I don't know if like he'll be able to make it into all the Marvel movies I want him in Ragnarok I want <laughs> Falcon to swoop in and kick Loki in the face or something <laughs> as nice as that would be. <laughs> I don't think we're going to see him again until um, probably Infinity War. Probably, yeah, probably Infinity War. I don't, um, I don't think I don't think he's going to show up again. I mean, 
I, I don't I don't know because I know he got broken out of that prison, but then you know I don't I don't know if he went to Wakanda or what he did. So who knows? Yeah, I mean they didn't really make it clear what they were all doing. Like they they just showed you know Cap brought Bucky to Wakanda, but he didn't they didn't really say what anyone else was doing. And I wouldn't think they'd go all the way to Wakanda for you know just to hide out. Like they they'd find somewhere else where they could you know still make an impact. I don't know if I was uh maybe a fugitive from the the literal world government and Wakanda didn't necessarily acknowledge this world government, that's where I would hang out. Yeah, but I mean, but I feel like like their whole purpose in life is to um is to be in is to be able to help. And I mean, I, I, maybe it is the place to do it, but Wakanda might not be. You know, Wakanda we, seems we, to be we, pretty we squared away. Actually, comes out. Yeah. I don't. I don't think Wakanda needs any help. That's. No, it makes me wonder I, where where do you go with a uh, with a Black Panther mo- movie because you've already kind of shown that he's basically can take care of things at home. So I I often kind of wonder like what are they gonna have happen that gets Black Panther out of Wakanda and into wherever the bad things are. Yeah, I mean it's. It could be it could end up just being like, you know, the Avengers call on him for help or, you know, it's like, hey, we, we, we just we just need extra bodies here. Um, I think the Black Panther movie is going to be entirely set in Wakanda, just like character names I'm seeing, like the whole thing just just tells me it's going to be in Wakanda. You know, the fact mm-hmm. that Claw is is going to be there, you know, oh, his yeah, big thing yeah. was 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 stealing vibranium and then selling it. Yeah. Um. So I imagine it's going to be very like it's going to be set almost entirely in Wakanda, if not 100 percent. Yeah. And I guess but, I'm OK but, with that, too. It's a character I like. So you know, as long as he's on yeah. screen, I'm going to watch it. But <laughs> yeah. But going back to Anthony Mackie, like he had me from don't you say it. Don't you say it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, like I, I think he he was that friend that Cap was looking for. Like he was he'd been so caught up in work, like he only knew Natasha and Rumlo and everyone else he'd been working with. Who you know you could tell he was just kind of keep kind of trying to keep himself separate from. You know he even asked Fury like, "Are, are we friends?" He yeah. you can tell even he didn't believe it. Um, but now he just found this guy who he he can almost instantly relate to, mm-hmm. you know, is already thinking in a way that says like, look, I'm going to sympathize with you. Like I, I, I can tell what's wrong and I'm just here as someone you can talk to. And that's something you could tell he just valued like right from the get go. Yeah. It's, I mean, for a character who Cap goes on to inherently trust when he has no one else to turn to, it was completely believable to me that when he has no one else, he would think, hey, Sam Wilson will be a good guy. He won't turn us in. And he didn't. Sam yeah. Wilson saw Cap, and he's like, all right, this guy's going through stuff, but I trust him. We have a connection, and, and he was a he was a friend to him. And the fact that he was an expert pilot of uh, a wing pack, of which there's only one in existence... <laughs> <laughs> was probably a, a a nice side bonus to that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I don't think I think at first like Steve just needed a place to hang out, and then yeah, and then Wilson was like, okay, you guys are talking about doing something really dangerous here. I want to help out. Here's and he even said like, call it a what was it like a resume? Yeah, a resume. Which it made me wonder why he had those files. I imagine a lot of it was like, um, like declassified missions that he could, you know, he, he could tell people if he wanted to. Yeah, I mean, maybe, but like, it seemed odd that he would like have the files for them. Like, even if the missions were declassified, you still think they'd be in a, a cabinet somewhere. He wouldn't take them on his way out the door. Like, like yeah. the pictures are fine. Pictures Although are pictures. I, I, I would have pictures, but like, he had a schematic for the wing pack. I, I will say this. 
when I was in flight school, like, you know, we had to know the ins and outs of the plane, you know, just like I'm sure you had to know, like, every everything about the sub. Everything. Yep. Yeah. So it's now I'm, I think for, for you and me, it was OK, when when you're done, give this back. You know, this may have been something that, you know, they they didn't know if they were going to keep doing or whatnot. So it was just like, OK, here's the manual. And they just never asked for it back. And maybe I, I could see that. I mean, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't have any classified markings on it, so I didn't really see it as like he stole it or anything like that. It was just it was odd yeah. that he would have it. But yeah. if if there was, if it was something that only one existed in the world, I'm sure he had a certain sense of satisfaction. And if there's only one existed in the world, that means that they probably weren't in desperate need of handbooks for it anymore. Yeah, they, and they he might have just taken it as a souvenir. How many of them that there were? Like he said, yeah. his his wingman had one. Mm-hmm. But he didn't say if it, they never specifically said it was just the two of them. Yeah. So, I mean, if there was enough of them that people were flying them and then they were all dismantled at some point and they had one left for whatever reason, then it, it would make sense that he would. Yeah. The, the yeah. thing I do have an issue with is when he says, you know, there's only one left at Fort Meade. It's you know behind closed door. And they say it shouldn't be a problem. And then the <laughs> next scene he has it. And I, I immediately thought, hey, I want to see you guys get that. That sounded like it would have been a really fun story for me to watch. Yeah, and I think the Russo brothers might have thought that too, but at the same time, what they probably thought was like, is this going to advance the plot in any way? Nope, it would have no, killed the plot and, and the pacing. Yeah, it, it would have it would have killed it, but I still think like that should be. I want to see that at some point. Can we put that as an extra? Yeah, it's, it's you know, way I too late really... to get it on a Blu-ray, but like I still want to see what that happened because it sounded interesting. Yeah, I haven't checked out the deleted scenes yet. I'll take a look and see if that's yeah. in there. It may even have just been one of those things that didn't even make it into the final cut of the script. Like, they were probably working on it and said, you know what? No, it's believable that Captain America can make this happen. Yeah. I mean, it, it might just be that they just presume, like, hey, it, it's Cap. He can he can get it. Speaking of, like, there's one thing. I know we've moved on from Cap, but I want to say something that, that I, I think of every time I watch this movie. One of Chris Evans' biggest complaints about the Avengers was he felt like, he never Joss Whedon never really gave him a chance to show off how strong Captain America is. Mm-hmm. And the Russo brothers gave him that opportunity. Like you could like he jumped out of a plane without a parachute. Yeah, I he, I definitely feel and like it's you can see it in the other movies, too. He more and more he gets to show how strong he is. But it did. I will say, like, given what you said, and it's accurate. I do think that when he was uh when he was against the uh was a Belgian terrorist, the mercenary. Oh, Algerian. Yeah. The Algerian. Lead- thank you. Yeah. Um, I want to say that guy probably put more of a fight up than I would have preferred going against you know captain america well the the thing about that is batrock is like he he's a captain america villain and like crossbones like zola he got his time to shine yeah even if it was very brief i i guess you got to give it to him even if you're not gonna you're not gonna like, make him a main villain you gotta you gotta give him his yeah i guess yeah i mean and i don't think he was ever one of the like big baddies like he wasn't like the red skull or yeah um uh baron zemo but like it was like he was just a bad guy he's fought so it's like okay if we're gonna use him we have to give him some some screen time yeah and it's not like when cap put the shield away he lasted very long either oh no no he 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 took care of him pretty quick it's yeah i just i had an issue with at one point he punched the guy in the face and the guy kind of shook it off and i was like no wait a minute (laughs) cap might have been pulling his punches (laughs) 
I, I, apparently he was because you know I've, that I've seen been... Cap hit people and they go flying. Yeah, and that might have been like what he was thinking. Like, okay, I'm gonna pull my punches a little bit. Like, oh wait, that barely phased you. I gotta hit a little harder now. Yeah, and yeah, we'll we'll let it go with that because really, once Cap decided he wanted to take him down, it did not take very many moves to do it. So. Yeah. All right. So moving on. Uh. All right, uh, Kobe Smolders has Maria Hill's next on my list, but there, I have nothing to say about her that we didn't say in Avengers. She's no, perfectly she's... capable in the role that she plays. Yeah, no, I mean, she just, she didn't have much of a role at all. Like, yeah. like obviously, like, they wouldn't have gotten very far without her, but I, I, I still feel like there wasn't enough of an impact where, like, she's really worth expanding on beyond what we've already said. Yeah, I feel like they hold her back so much, and I wonder if it's because Kobe Smolders is hard to get, because, I mean, she was a, a sitcom actress. She's not super movie star, you know? Well, this was this movie came out right about the time How I Met Your Mother was ending, so it, her time may have been a little monopolized. Oh, fair enough. Um, now, has she I been don't... in anything else after this? Um... I don't think she was in. She wasn't in Avengers. She was. She had a very small bit in Avengers Two. Was she in uh, Avengers Two? I don't remember. She was on the helicarrier at the very end, at least. I think that was it. Um, huh. And then uh, I don't think she showed up in Civil War. Huh. Um, yeah, I, I know. I guess she has a. She has a. Uh, she has a, a credit in Age of Ultron, so I guess she would have been in Avengers Two. But yeah, no, I just she, cannot she was, remember she was on the her helicarrier. from her. Oh no, no. Cuz she works for oh. Stark at the end of this movie. Yeah, that's right. No, no, she worked she was working in Avengers Tower in Avengers 2. Okay. She was the one delivering the intel on the twins to um Okay. Yeah, that's that makes sense to me now. Like I I I think the the term I officer. Okay. Okay. Cuz there was also the whole bit where like after the after everything in South Africa, she was filling the man on like um how everyone was reacting to the Hulk. Gotcha. All right. So anyway, uh, she had a very small role. Moving on, Frank Grillo yeah. as Brock Rumlow or Crossbones. Um, yep. I I I kind of liked how he portrayed him. He did a great job to the point where I mean, the Crossbones is not a a main eventing villain, but no. you at least made it as a character that by interacting with Cap a little bit, by you know having the role he played. You believed his menace, and it really played off in that scene where, like, he's telling the that one computer guy to launch the carriers. It put a lot of tension on that scene that wouldn't be there if you just had some random guy walk up and do it. But when yeah. you have Frank Grillo doing it, you firmly believe that the life of that guy is in danger if he does not launch the carrier, and the scene does not work without him doing it. That's very that's very true. Like I I definitely agree. Like he, when you first meet him, like he just strikes you as the kind of guy who's just like he's just another soldier. He's just doing his job. You know, he's doing all the paperwork and everything. But then when you see him like fight Cap in an elevator, it's going. It, you wonder, okay, are, are you just blindly following orders now? Yeah. And then you, I think the the clincher for me was um, when he said like they get out of the vans and they're like dig three, start digging three holes. Mm-hmm. That was that. That to me was the point where I went, okay, no, he's a bad guy. He's not yeah. just following orders. He knows exactly what's going on. Yeah, I, uh, I, I really liked him in this. It's a shame he had such a small role in Civil War. Yeah, I would have liked to see a little more crossbones. I think the big thing for me is like my the very first Captain America comic I owned. Um, 
he was the bad guy. I don't remember much about the comic. I still have it, mm-hmm. but I haven't read it read it in a long time. But I just remember like that was the first Cap villain that stuck out to me was Crossbones. Yeah. Uh, no, there was one point when he was in the fight with uh, with Falcon, and he called him a kid. And I just remember that it felt very out of place to me because he didn't seem like he was that much older than Falcon. No, he really doesn't. I think it's like I don't think Sam Wilson gives off this. Like just the way he talks, the way he carries himself, he doesn't give this. He doesn't give off this impression of like having done much, mm. you know. Yeah. Um. Even though, like, we we know he has because he's told us his story, but he hasn't told Rumlow. Yeah. Um. But I I do like how like he's um he's like there there are no prisoners with Hydra. There's only pain. Are you ready for yours? And he just goes, shut the hell up. Yeah. I love it. that was I I laughed out loud because he's just like. That's that's how like a regular veteran would react to somebody spewing lines like that, you know? Like, oh, yeah. seriously, dude, come on. Well, it's like <laughs> it's it's a it's a comic book villain threat, you know? That says yeah. like I am the one in control here, and usually the hero has some kind of quippy comeback, and he just like I, what? No, yeah, I, I, I'm, he's the I, real guy in that situation. Going like, oh, dude, come on, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> knock that off. All right, uh, so we're gonna keep rolling. Uh, Emily Van Camp as Agent Thirteen, Sharon Carter, or what was it? What was her name that they actually gave her when she was the nurse, Kate, something like that? Uh, I don't remember her name from. I, yeah, yeah, I think she was going by Kate. Kate, something like yeah, that. but they didn't sure, reveal Katie. she was Sharon until later, and then they didn't reveal she was Sharon Carter until Civil War. But since she said she was Agent Thirteen, that kind of gave it away. Well, um, yeah, well, for comic book fans, you know, if you're just watching the movies, yeah. you don't know. I mean, I liked her in it. She was very good. I uh, I kind of wish she had a bigger role. In fact, I kind of wish she had a bigger role in Civil War, too. I thought she was going to have a much larger role in Civil War, I, but she didn't. I thought she would, too, you know, especially after they introduce her and they kind of give this impression that, like, she's kind of – she's at least, like, yeah. good at her job. Like, she's, in, she's important enough to I mean, be monitoring Captain America. You saw her at that CIA training school. She was bullseye every shot, so – yeah. But yeah, it is kind of weird that they didn't. I, I but there was so much going on in Civil War. I'm I'm not surprised they didn't include her in more. Yeah, I mean, but I feel yeah. like the, it was a busy especially movie. if they're gonna play up the romance with her and and Cap, they've got to give her something more to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so who else we got? Haley Atwell reprises her role as Peggy Carter uh, as a 96 year old. I think is how old she was in, in the story. I believe that. Um, so this was all done with visual effects and CGI. They didn't use any makeup or mo- they tried to. Uh, the Russo brothers, to their credit, they loved to do anything with practical effects whenever possible. Anytime yeah. they could use the real thing, they did, and that's huge. That's mm-hmm. that's a big thing. Especially but, these days. Yeah, but they use CGI for her because they said, like, the prosthetics just... The problem with using the prosthetics and the makeup is it makes the face look puffy and not necessarily older. Yeah. And even... This is a, a couple years old, and usually that's old enough to start really aging the effects, but she still... It looked great. I looked real close because I knew this was a CGI aging. Yeah, I mean... It, like, it I was good. Yeah, I mean, when I first saw it, like, the first few times, like, I kind of caught that it was CGI. Like, there was just... There was just that... Like, enough of a hint for me to go, that's not actual makeup, is it? 
you yeah. know, like because like, there's a certain way that, you know, the face moves when you're talking and it was and you know, her face was a little was moving a little too smooth, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I can kind of see what you're talking about. But bearing in mind later on in the movie when we saw the return of Skinny Steve and when they made Skinny Steve in in the first Captain America and it's still it it's still pretty aged when you look at it. This one looked worse than the first movie. Well, I think it was because it, they, they just, it was kind of a throwaway to them. Yeah, it was, they didn't have to do it the whole movie, so they just made it work for that one scene and then they moved on. But yeah, I was, it was definitely, yeah. it was very, very noticeable that it was worse CGI for Skinny Steve. And compared to that, I think they did great with Haley Atwell, but you know, it's not super necessary. And again, when, when that's what you're starting to nitpick, you know, the movie's pretty solid. Yeah. You know, the whole thing with, um, like when they used, you know, the CGI to age Haley Atwell, you know, you you can kind of see how they like the whole like industry because like because it because it spans so many years, you can kind of tell that they, that they just kind of fell in love with it because they did it for three different people in Ant Man, and then yeah. they did it again to to RDJ in Civil War. Yeah, that's true. And there was a man Haley Atwell has been showing up in a lot of movies. Does she still have her show, or did that get canceled? Oh, Agent Carter. Yeah, yeah, that got canceled after the second season. She's oh, got another show though. That's too bad. I I kept hearing good things, but I just I if it doesn't go on Netflix, I don't watch it. And I still haven't seen this one come to Netflix yet. I think the first season is on Netflix. Is it? All right, I, yeah. I should probably check it out because I kept hearing good things, but I mean, like, I just I only have time to watch so many shows as they oh, come God, out on here. TV. Same and, here. <laughs> and like the problem is that on the DC side of things, on their TV shows where they're really kicking it and like they are really bringing it, I uh I I've kind of got a full plate, you know. And because I really like Arrow and Flash, I'm sort of honor bound to watch Legends of Tomorrow and Supergirl. I've I've been liking Supergirl. Season two is better than season one. Yeah, like but but we we we've already got our plates full with um Arrow, Flash, you know, Legends of Tomorrow. We haven't even watched the first season of Supergirl yet. And, and yeah, like we haven't even watched the second season of Agent Carter, even though we loved the first season. The second season, yeah. we, we just kind of fell by the wayside. But it's a lot of stuff. And now I hear that Constantine is coming back. I think I heard that. Yeah. Yeah, I heard he's coming back uh, on the CW as well. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I can do. Like, I had to drop Constantine the first time because I didn't have time. And I mean, I, <laughs> I had to drop Gotham because I didn't have time. I dropped Gotham. Just keep that in mind. Well, there there isn't actually Batman in it. So that's true, I and I think that's it. probably my biggest complaint. Is it's like, <laughs> uh, right now Gotham is giving me every aspect of Batman except for Batman. Yeah, <laughs> like the the one the one thing you're missing is a pretty big keystone into why I like Batman. It's like okay, you know, Gordon is is cool and all, but where's Batman? Exactly. I mean, the Penguin's a crime boss, the Riddler's being Riddler, you got this Joker kid showing up, and you have, you know, all the villains are starting to take shape, and Mr. Freeze and Scarecrow are showing up. I'm like, so everyone, everyone's here except Batman. Yeah. I kind of I want Batman. We kind of went on this tangent from Haley Atwell. Yeah, yeah, sorry, Haley Atwell. <laughs> um, all right, so we got we got to move on. So big actor, huge get, huge get, Robert Redford as Alexander Pierce. I, I, one, of, one of the favorite little trivia I heard was um, that one of the writers was just so excited he got to make uh, Robert Redford and um, Gary Shandling say, Hail Hydra. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, the the late Gary Shandling's got to say Hail Hydra. And Senator Stern got to to get his his uh his send-off in into the uh the wild blue yonder. Um yeah. 
Robert, I mean, I got the impression basically that Robert Redford's character was basically like the head of Hydra at this point. Um, you know, I think in a lot of ways he may actually have been. I don't think there's until um until Hive in Agents of Shield showed up. I don't think there was ever it was ever very clear who the head of Hydra was. Yeah, you know, I, I I really got the feeling, especially because Winter Soldier was reporting directly to him, uh, that he was head of Hydra. Yeah. Uh, Although so, one other way to look at it yeah. is like you know they had one head in uh, Red Skull. Right. He was cut off. Two took his place. So what kind of what that says to me is like it's splintered. They were still working together, but they didn't have one leader. Yeah, that that's fair. I would say the one thing that I, I really can poke this movie for more than anything else is that you have all these Hydra agents, and you, you establish in the first movie that these Hydra agents would rather kill themselves than be captured or forced to, to work for you. Yeah. And yet you have Robert Redford as Alexander Pierce who, you know, lets himself at gunpoint, allows himself to be used to release all of the Hydra's information to the public. You know, you had... um. Oh, the other guy, uh, Jasper Sitwell, allow himself, you know, to talk about uh, Arnim Zola's algorithm. There was just a lot of guys who allowed themselves to be captured instead of kill themselves as sleeper agents. And I really just think it feels like Hydra just really kind of relaxed that whole don't let yourself be caught thing. Well, I think, yeah, I think the thing was they were so underground. Like, remember, in, in World War II, it was... It wasn't known worldwide, but like all the intelligence agencies knew this existed. Right. Um, but they were trying so hard to keep each other, to, to keep themselves in the dark. Like probably any any case of like, um, you know, suicide would have tipped somebody off. I, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's just that's uh, that's but one. There way was there was it. that one guy who was from uh from Civil War who he finally like stayed true to his word and said hail Hydra and drowned himself rather than give yeah. Baron Zemo the uh the, the code. So. But also, I look at Sitwell. Sitwell. I don't know if he was ever a true believer. You know. Because rather yeah. than, you know, give some, you know, big speech about like, I'm I'm never going to let you, you know, use me to enter the facility and blah, blah, blah. He's just like, no, that's a terrible idea. Just before, yeah. you know, Winter Soldier if throws it, him out of the car. He, he goes on to say, do you know what they'll do to me? Like, so he he definitely was thinking of his own safety rather yeah. than the cause. Redford or, or, or Pierce, I'm not really sure what to make of him. I think it was more like he didn't have he didn't have the ability to do anything um at the time like like to stop himself you know what i mean yeah but even there was one point where you know he had those like you'll burn the hole in your chest devices yeah that's the other thing and and he didn't use those until after all the information in fact immediately after all the information was uploaded online then he used it and i thought like you could have used that 20 minutes ago and gotten past a lot of your issues right now yeah i i I think it was i I don't know i don't know i can't i can't think of exactly what would have stopped him But I think it was he used it when he finally had the upper hand and he felt like he could get back into control. Like he never like let himself be killed because he's like, I can I can get out of this. Yeah. You know, I can save the situation like he he believed in it enough to probably where he was thinking, if I die, this whole thing is screwed. I need to save it. Yeah. He was still kind of screwed, though. I'm just if he was a real Hydra agent, he would have just killed himself and one of those little burn hole in your chest thingies on himself and been like boom there how are you going to release the information now yeah but he's not a true believer all right anyway so we have a couple of uh we have a couple of cameos we want to talk about and then we'll actually roll into some of the uh the key points because we have already gone on for quite a while yeah we're over, we're over an hour on this thing <laughs> yeah all right so 
Uh, we have the Stanley cameo. He was a guard at the Smithsonian. Who is oh. so fired? He is so fired. I'm I'm getting so sick of the Stanley cameos. I gotta tell Did, you, they're have not you heard getting that, better. Have you heard they've started um, filming them in advance because they know he's you know he's so old. That's morbid. <laughs> yeah. That's that's not right, but yeah, I mean, I I just think they should just stop doing them. I mean, especially because they're getting they're getting really really stretched. Um, Ant Man well, especially comes to mind. I do not remember who he was in Civil War. Uh, Civil War. Hang on. Oh, he was the the like the FedEx guy at the very end. Tony Stank. Oh, Tony Stank. That's right. He was Tony Stank. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember Ant Man. He was he was the DJ. Well, no, he wasn't a DJ. He was like a bartender. Oh, I thought he was a DJ. Okay, maybe he, he was, was a the bartender. DJ in Deadpool. That's right. Deadpool. He was the, the DJ at the the Gentleman's Club, <laughs> which is being very generous. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What was it like Apocalypse? I think was his worst one. I didn't even see Apocalypse. That movie looked so terrible. What was he there? Um. Okay. So there's this whole thing where like, and and this is this will just show you just how bad like you know the the story writing and character development for the character of Apocalypse was. His big thing was like, I'm going to take away all of mankind's you know most devastating weapons. So like he has all the nukes launch. And just kind of destroy themselves in midair so, you know, people can't use them anymore. Um, and there's this moment where, like, people are standing outside their houses looking up and seeing all these missiles launch. And he's one of them. What? So, like, rather than, you know, keep this scene, you know, very dramatic and, you know, kind of heart like, – like, not, not necessarily heart-wrenching, but, like, scary – you have people snap out of it when they see Stan Lee just standing there, you know, looking concerned. It's like, OK, like he's kind of he's playing in the moment, but the moment itself has taken you out of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I that's not good. No, it, it was it was a very bad one. Like Apocalypse, I think <sighs> Apocalypse was the sign to me that like the whole thing just needs to be rebooted and Brian Singer needs to go. Yeah, I agree. I mean, well, I mean, let let Logan get his his send off because Logan is looking promising. Well, okay. Well, here's the thing. I, it's not so much, you know, maybe not necessarily reboot X Men because they've kind of already done that. And if they go the way they seem to be going and just maybe make pull Mystique a little more into the background, the series can be a lot better. But I, but the thing is, Brian Singer keeps writing the same movie over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, we got to move on. Uh, one more cameo because this is a significant one is uh, the narrator for the Captain America Smithsonian exhibit. Oh yes, Gary Sinise. Yes, Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think that's very plausible. That like that, that's not just some dude that you know Gary Sinise is portraying. I can see that being yeah. Gary Sinise, Gary Sinise has would narrated the Captain America exhibit. Oh, he would. He would totally. The actual so that was it's it's more appropriate on on so many different levels. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, he right. does so much in terms of like work for veterans. Um, yeah, ever could, ever since could, he played Lieutenant Dan, he's almost it, he really took that role to heart. Yeah, yeah, he really does. I I thought that was a really cool cameo. Like I remember mm-hmm. sitting in the movie going, I know that voice. Who is that? And then yeah, I had to look it up. up. I didn't that recognize the voice. And I'm like, why does this guy sound so familiar to me? 
And then you look and it's like, oh, well, obviously it's Lieutenant Dan. Um, yeah, he's a great American, a very devoted fan of the Chicago Cubs. That I know. <laughs> so moving on, uh, let's talk about some of the, uh, some of the major action points, uh, cause the story, we've, we've sort of touched on the story. We've, we've let it go in terms of that. Didn't mean to drop the frozen reference there, but there it is. It's ingrained <laughs> in my head at this point. I can't not drop a Frozen reference. Oh, I'm sorry, dude. Yeah, I've seen that movie like hundreds and hundreds of times, uh, in- sure. including, I think, once today, probably. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we've... Uh, the first one is uh, the boat rescue. A rescue? Yeah. I mean, there was a rescue... Oh, yeah. No, it, it was absolutely a rescue. You know, it was a hostage situation. Th- there was some espionage going on, too, but it was a rescue. Uh, this one I liked. I like... First of all, I should say, in general, I like Captain America's suit in this. The the suit that he wore at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, the uh, When he was the director of S.H.I.E.L.D., the same, it was a very similar feel to that suit from the comics. I think that's exactly what they took it from. Like, like oh, that yeah. was one where he, like, okay, like, like he came back from the dead or however it worked. I can't really remember I how think- it I think he came back from the dead somehow. I don't remember. Yeah, I, I have to go back and read those again. Yeah. But he told Bucky, you, you be Cap now because, you know, you, you've earned the shield. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll just be Steve Rogers. And, that, and, and he wore a suit very similar to what he wears. Yeah, he yeah. Does, I mean, it was almost does, exactly yeah. the same, except like there was like a circle around the star, maybe more. Yeah, line. I mean, it was it, strikingly similar. It was very obvious where the where the um, where the inspiration came from. Yeah, he does go back to his original suit, although it was not actually his original suit. Well, I'm sure the thing was either was it was probably worn from the last movie. Well, I mean, like it, it was his World War II suit, as they they kind of were very much trying to stress that it was his World War II suit. Yeah. But it, I mean, it was it had an extra red stripe on it, so it was obviously uh, not that suit. You know, it was because huh. his suit only had two red stripes, and the suit he was wearing in this movie had three red stripes. So I'm like, that's that's not the same suit. I did not catch that. There's an extra red stripe on there that wasn't there in in, in the fir- <laughs> first movie, so I know it's not the one. And so my only thought is that after you know he was recovered from the ocean and they got his suit back, and they probably wanted to actually put that suit in the Smithsonian instead of the recreation. They probably touched it up a little bit, and yeah. him having been in Captain America during the incident in New York and, and with the, the the several stripes, they probably just updated the aesthetic of it. That's that's what I'm going with. That's that's yeah, I mean, how that, I'm that, letting that go. But I mean, it works for me. Like you know, whenever they put stuff up in the, in museums, you like it's usually like worn in some way, like it's it's, it's rusted, paints fading, whatever. Mm-hmm. So like they gotta update it somehow and yeah. you know you can imagine the die got you know damaged somehow by the ice so they yeah. would have had to touch it up based on what they already knew which is what um mm-hmm. you know colson designed for him yeah i'm I'm sure it basically just came down to the point where they just they had to sort of update the and clean it up and paint it a little bit and they put the third stripe in there because they liked it yeah so that's anyway that's what i'm going with speaking of suits you know i actually i was in disney world and then the planet hollywood in hollywood they had the uh the pink ranger suit from the power rangers movie the first one the sweet yeah that thing looks totally beat up Oh, I'll bet. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was faded and cracked and peeling. Wow. Oh, that's a shame. That's so sad. But I at least got to see the Pink Ranger suit for whatever that's worth. I have a picture of it somewhere on my phone. Hey, if you're a Power Rangers fan, that's worth a lot. Yeah, maybe maybe when I when I put this on the site, maybe I'll put that picture in there for no good reason. <laughs> <laughs> hey, here's a picture of the Pink Ranger suit. Why not? <laughs> 
people might be interested. They hear they hear the podcast. They're like, oh, I want to see the suit, and then go to the site. They'll yeah. check it out. It's there. Check it out. Enthusiax.com. It, it, it's especially kind of topical because, like, in the next few months, we're going to get another Power Rangers yeah, movie. Yeah, that's coming, that's coming down the road. So, anyway, yeah. so going back to the boat scene, one of the things I noticed is that he almost had, like, a stealth shield paint design. Like, it was blue and white instead of red and white. Yeah, it was, like, much darker. Or, like, I, I saw it as, like... Um, like just like a darker red and like the white was like a gray instead of white. Now, I think I, I have a pop vinyl of him in that suit and I want to say in that it's a blue and white shield. Oh, okay. I mean, that would still make sense. So that's what I'm basing my, my impression of it on. <laughs> they never really get a great look at it. No, it's too busy flying around all over the place. Yeah, it's, it's bouncing all over creation, but yeah. Uh, and I like it, although it makes me wonder, though. Obviously, there's only that one shield because yeah. they think that's all the vibranium that there is. Yeah. So after the, like after he's done with the rescue mission, he's all mad at Nick Fury for having the extra orders to Natasha. Does he march into S.H.I.E.L.D. all angry and hand his shield to some dude and be like, make that red again? <laughs> that's a good question <laughs> yeah so i'm i'm really wondering exactly at what point he decided like all right it's got to be red this it's too dark i'm not yeah. it, i don't feel like captain america yeah like you've got to have the red white and blue yeah <laughs> but anyway as far as the scene goes I, I like the scene i love him running around the ship taking the guys out well this is what i was talking about when when i said um i, I like that they they were they finally showed off like how strong he is like most guys, like, you'd need, like, a small team of guys, you know, who would take, like, a few minutes to knock out each individual person. But he's, like, he's going from one to the other and then the next and the next. And and one thing that stuck out to me was, like, the guy who's reaching for the fire alarm, Cap throws a knife at his hand. Yeah. And sticks him with it. And that's when I thought, okay, no, this isn't this isn't the last Cap movie. This isn't the kids movie anymore. This is... This is the one where it gets real. Yeah, Cap gets the job done. Yeah, and it's like, I, okay. I like. I mean, the guy was a soldier for crying out loud. You know, he's he he's not mm-hmm. afraid to do the job when it when that's what it takes. Yeah, this isn't this isn't Silver Age comics. Yeah, you know, this is this is you know two thousands. Mm-hmm. I mean, is, he was using a gun in the last movie, so this is this is even a step back from where he usually is. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, he uh, it was it was very well done. I liked it. I even, despite my issues with the fact that the other guy held his own against Cap for a while, I thought it ended fine. Cap definitely did do his thing, and then you know the guy ends up getting away, and that you know, and that lead, and it, it pushed the film. That's the nice thing is this was an action scene that kind of pushed the plot of the film yeah. in a way that didn't feel too forced, and it was uh, it and it had that nice scene where he jumps out of the plane because. There's a Cap jumps out of a lot of planes. In fact, Marvel people in general jump out of a lot of planes. Have you noticed that? Yeah. They they just love that scene of all right, let's jump out of the plane. But remember the the first time you see well not the yeah the, the first few times Cap you know jumps out of a plane, you know, he takes the time to put on a parachute. Whereas this one he's like, all right, things open, I'm mm-hmm. walking out and bye bye. Yeah, I do love that he jumps. And he's like, does he have a chute? No. <laughs> Yeah, it was. I yeah. really appreciate, and that was a nice scene, and and it, it did push the, the 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 story forward. I'm trying to think what's the next major action sequence would have been Sam Jackson's car chase, right? Um, yes, yes, it would. Yeah, nice and, and to finally one... see Sam Jackson get to have an action scene in one of these movies. <laughs> I know. Usually, he's just kind of standing around. Like he he did he got into some gunfights in Avengers, but that was really it. This was the first time we're like. He went full Sam Jackson. Yeah, got to pull the guns, got to argue with the <laughs> argue with the robotic car AI. <laughs> the air conditioning is fully functional. 
which I, I don't believe. Like, listen, I've, I've been in car accidents before. You can't tell me the car went through what it did and that air conditioning is fully functional. <laughs> no, I think it was just the joke. It's like he's trying to get things to work. I know it's a work, funny and... joke, but I'm just saying, like, listen, yeah. I, I can't get my air conditioning bearings to work just in everyday use. There's no way it survived that hit. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I think, like, that, mm-hmm. like, like you said, that's another one that pushed the plot forward. Like, that was the one that that kind of revealed there was there's something going on something he's not seeing yeah and it was i mean it was a nice action sequence it was nice to see him do some stuff and then you know take control of the car and drive it and then you get the winter soldier show up and he uses a lightsaber to to dig down out of the car but like they um they had uh like you kind of you know got the impression he was suspicious of something and you were trying to one and you were probably thinking oh he's just being you know paranoid nick fury dc metro police you know, just start assaulting him for no reason. And the, the AI tells him, yeah, Metro PD says, you know, dispatch says there's nobody in the area. Yeah. And it just, it, it, not only that, it reinforces the number mm-hmm. and the resources that they have. Yeah. To, to pull this off. Yeah. Significant. And, yeah. Yeah. It's like, it, it still doesn't tell you what the threat is yet, but you know, it's a pretty menacing threat. Right, and you know he's on to something. Yes, exactly. You know, and then you know it gives us Winter Soldier, and then it leads into uh, it leads into the 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 Winter Soldier encounter with Captain America on on the rooftops. And I gotta say, like yeah. this movie, there was a couple of different action sequences where it really they they took some liberties with how the shield works. What do you mean? Well, for instance, like, and I always think when I relate to how the shield is supposed to work, Haley Atwell fired directly at the shield in Cap 1, and the bullets just bounced to the ground because the shield's (laughs) supposed to absorb impact. And when Thor hit it with Mjolnir, it did a 360 boom out all around the shield because the shield absorbed and dissipated the energy from that. Yeah. But then in this movie, like, it's getting blasted and Cap's getting sent flying or it's, you know, he's bouncing bullets off it and into other people. And it was really, it really kind of started to break the, all right, so I don't get it. Does Is the shield absorbing it? Does it just bounce off? Like, I really feel like bullets shouldn't be bouncing off like that when they kind of establish that it just absorbs impact. And they've done it in a couple of movies so far. Well, you also have to remember, like, she used a pistol. Yes. You know, a, a low speed pistol, you know, you, you talk about like he's getting hit with grenades and uh, bullets fired out of a minigun. You know, this is this is more force. And like that's why when like he's 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 blocking the minigun, he's still able to stay upright. But there's still enough energy to like for the bullets to ricochet. Sure. That's as good as an explanation as any. I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to let myself get too hung up on it, but it just, you know, it was just very interesting, like, when he throws it. And I love when he throws it and, and Winter Soldier just catches it with his mechanical arm. Yeah, and, like, th- th- that was the moment where you're like, okay, this this yeah. guy's something else. And he throws it back, and then Cap, you know, catches it again, but he actually gets sent flying backwards. Yeah. Which which is interesting, because even if you catch it with your mechanical arm, like, you, did the mechanical arm just absorb the impact so that it didn't send Bucky flying backwards, or does Bucky throw it harder? Uh, I don't know. Well, I think you know his 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 arm is already you know extra strong you know but but just by nature of being a machine, so like it didn't hurt him to grab it the way he did. Cap took it in the gut. Yeah, that would have knocked the wind out of me. I think. Yeah, yeah. Like like even as strong as he is, you'd think with how how the kind of force that Bucky threw it back at him. It's gonna knock him. It's gonna knock the wind out of him. Yeah, and that was that was a decent scene too. Yeah, it of course led to the the fake 
Yeah, Nick Fury dies, and then Cap Cap hides the the gum in the stupid gum. Yeah, he he basically. The... I think uh, what was it? Um, Honest trailer said like his plan hinged on the the, the idea of three people not wanting gum. Yeah, basically, if three people wanted gum, he was screwed. Yeah. I'm just I'm just can't help but think that there were better play like if you want to hide it somewhere where no one's gonna find it there was the, the whole place has a drop ceiling just go in the bathroom you know stand on a stand on a toilet and just pop that sucker in the drop ceiling you think people are going into the drop ceilings above the toilet yeah it's like it's it's gonna be harder for uh for Black Widow to find it <laughs> yeah she had no trouble seeing it like oh like, look at that a thumb drive three gums back yeah like unless unless you know it's there. You're not gonna look for it there. Yeah, that's that's where you hide things. You hide things in places that nobody would ever look at. He, I mean, it it really was. It hinged on the fact that nobody would be looking at the gum in the vending machine. Yeah, no, and, I think and, it was in his it... in his defense. Nobody ever does look at the gum in those vending machines. <laughs> I I, yeah. I don't know anybody who's ever had gum from a vending machine. As uh, to the best of my knowledge, the gum that is currently in my vending machines at work is the gum that came originally with the vending machine when it was installed. <laughs> but still, yeah, yeah I, I think I think you know it, it, it's one of those things where it's like the writer can only say just go with it because yeah. they needed to put it in a place where Black Widow would easily find it. You yeah. know. Yeah, you you, you have to make it work, and they they did what they did to make it work. I guess it, it, the, the you know it, it's a classic writer re, writer retort because I said so. Yeah, because I said so. Because otherwise, there's no reason for Natasha to be involved. Then there's no one for Cap to talk to, and it's a boring movie. Yes. So just deal yep. with it. Yeah, I'll let it go. Though it did it did give me a, a headache. <laughs> I didn't think about it too much. I was too I was too busy focusing on the next thing. Yeah. Um, so one thing I want to point out, so we, we get the return of, uh, of Arnim Zola, as we mentioned, and so we actually see a little bit more true to his comic form here. Mm -hmm. Uh, he is a camera head with, uh, his face on a screen. Yeah. And it was just nice to see that. And I could go into the, uh, the ins and outs of how the turning of the tapes in the machines doesn't actually match how technology worked in the 70s. <laughs> But I'm not going to go into that because I don't care that much. And that's if I start nitpicking the speed of the tape rolls, then seriously. Yeah, no, like you, you weren't supposed to be focused on that at all. You were supposed to be you were supposed to look at the vastness of the room, the you know, how ancient the technology was and then focus on Zola cap and black widow yeah but i mean it, it made it made for a very interesting bringing him back until we can i think i don't think he's coming back from that they blew up his, they, they, they him they, they seem to have made it very clear they don't mind just tossing aside you know however impressive or likable they i, I use the term likable loosely <laughs> yeah uh, likable they these side characters may be if they're not using them as the main villain and they don't have plans to use them as the main villain they're not they don't have to stick around. And I think, you know, I'm OK with Z that. Yeah. I think Zola has removed himself so much from the human condition. You know, he's not. I said, you know what? I can't I can't finish that thought because, like, I just realized, like, he, he put in so much effort putting his brain onto into all those data banks. And even though he was just kind of left there to rot, you know, he clearly wanted to survive and then just let himself just get destroyed like that. Mm hmm. That was kind of interesting. Like, yeah. I hadn't thought about that until now. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Uh, I wonder what he what happens to him like when he's shut down. Like, is that like sleep to him? You know, like bef- before so. before they came in and and dropped the the war games joke, which I thought was funny that Cap had actually seen that one. Yeah, well, like she, yeah, and it was. I think yeah, I really like that because like she's trying to explain it to him like, no, I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, I've 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 seen that one because he's got his little book. Yeah, now, I didn't look to see what other countries had in their books, but I did. I did pause to make sure I got a, a good look at what was in his book. My personal favorite little touch is he wrote Rocky because he felt like Rocky was an important one. Yeah, but then in parentheses he had Rocky two question mark. And he almost just like like who what what did somebody tell him that made him think do I want to see Rocky two I don't know um or maybe it was like you only need to see Rocky two yeah I wonder if somebody said to him well he wins in the second one and he was like huh so maybe I should at least see Rocky two maybe I don't know let's see the yeah. first one first it was you know Star Wars slash Trek was kind of funny but yeah I'm trying to think of some other ones like I I think the Beatles were in Britain. The Beatles were in Britain. I Love Lucy was uh was in in the American version. Yeah. Um no, oh, I can't, I can't think of the other ones right now. I didn't write them down and I'm not going to yeah. go look them up right now either because it's such a minimal point. It was just I I liked it was a nice touch. I like when he's talking about like being modern. It's like no polio's nice. The internet <laughs> very helpful. Yeah. It's so helpful. Um, food's better. We used to boil everything. Yeah, we used to boil everything. It's, <laughs> it's it's really funny because like it it it's a little touch like that that just kind of says you know like this is a person who's who's was lost out of time and come back because he would think like wow we you guys grill a lot more than we used to we boiled everything this is way better. Well, it's also like he came from a time where like they were you know. He lived through the Great Depression. Yeah. You know, things were things were pretty bad. And I think it's also another way of saying, you know, you know, for everyone like who com- who complains about, you know, whatever aspects of their life. It's a good way of saying things are a lot better than you think they are. Yeah. I mean, I, I like how he learned how to use the Internet because, listen, I know people in, in who are currently around in today's day and age who haven't bothered to adequately learn how to use the Internet. And he just, yeah. I imagine he just sits on Wikipedia and he's just reading stuff like, no way. <laughs> but it, it was fun. So anyway, I mean, it was a funny little touch. I, I can only imagine how pissed he got when he found out the Dodgers moved to L.A. Oh, man. He must have been so upset. Yeah, because that was a big part of his childhood. That was huge. He was definitely they 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 established very well in story that uh he was he was a Dodgers fan. Yeah. <laughs> now they're in L.A. Oh well, may, maybe in this universe they've actually won a World Series or not. I don't know. We're talking <laughs> about baseball an awful lot. <laughs> anyway, moving on, moving on. Uh, so the big the big action sequence, and this is one of one of my personal favorites, is the one on the bridge where where the the second sort of winter soldier confrontation uh on the highway yeah like uh, once again he comes out of nowhere and just starts wreaking havoc i i it, the, they made him such an impactful character and i love it i absolutely love it like it's the kind of thing where like you 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 kind of have to wonder sometimes why are there more soldiers with him like he's clearly the one in charge and he can clearly do a lot by himself but you have to wonder like as effective as they as they know he is, what made them think to send along these other guys? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And like maybe part of it was to keep him in check. Maybe it was like someone did anticipate. Look, they might actually split up, and he's only he's still only one man. Yeah. But like, just look at like he didn't need any of them. Like they're all working as a unit. He's just kind of jumping around doing his own thing. And really, you really got that feel. Like there was the Hydra guys who were doing their thing, but 
he was just like this X factor in there who was really only there just to, he had his target and everyone else was just like, just kind of try to stay out of his way. I mean, at one point he did, like, I think he directed them at one point, right? Didn't he yeah. say like, you guys do this and I'll do this, but. Yeah, he gave them an order, like, you go chase, you know, this, this person, I'll go after this person. Yeah, he, he went after, uh, Widow when he told the other guys yeah. to go after Captain America. Which, yeah. I mean, given that he had tangled with Captain America one-on-one, I don't... Did he just, like, well, I wonder what she's doing, or did he... You would think, like, after he went against him like that, he would have had at least had the tactical wherewithal to know, like, Captain America might be able to handle all these guys. M- maybe I should do that, or maybe it he may, thought... He might have taken a little, like, maybe not personally, but, like, it, it really got his attention when, like, she she broke his goggles and like wow she got that close to me yeah that's true i mean if he didn't have those goggles on the movie would have ended <laughs> and then he never wore goggles again <laughs> now i had heard a rumor at one point which i think has since been proven false by other uh marvel projects but wasn't there a rumor that somewhere in that scene was the punisher i think there was there, there, there was a rumor that like some stray bullet or whatever was actually the Punisher. I don't, I don't think so. I, I really yeah. don't think so. I've, I've never seen anything that's confirmed it, and it does not, uh, it doesn't mesh with the Punisher that we saw in Daredevil season two. No, it really doesn't, and, and like really nothing. Oh no, it was he was driving the truck that that stopped one of the cop cars in the chase with Nick Fury. Oh, that was it? Yeah, that was that was the that was the rumor. Oh, that and doesn't even make sense for the Punisher. It really doesn't. Well, I mean, no, I can see the Punisher doing that. The thing is, the truck driver was clearly surprised. Yeah. I'm I'm and, just saying like it, it, the Punisher that we've been established with doesn't even make sense for him to be there and driving a truck no. to save Nick Fury. Like he well, cuz like, you know, he wouldn't have known he was in there. It's a nice yeah. little fan theory, but there's no way it's true. No. You know, especially since we got a really good Punisher, let's not try to muck it up. So <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man, we got a good Punisher. Yeah, we did. Wow, John Bernthal did such a great job. All outstanding performance. Yeah. All right. Um, and I guess the last big action sequence is the one at the end. Now, the thing that really struck me about this last action sequence is as as Cap and Falcon are going to take on the new helicarriers with their propulsor lifts because Tony Stark doesn't want to get caught in a turban again. So as Cap runs up, a couple of guys are shooting, but more or less, he's just doing hand-to-hand combat on his way into the carrier. Yeah. And Falcon has airplanes and jets and anti-aircraft guns shooting at him. (laughs) I think, like, this does not seem fair. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the difference is he can fly. So he's put himself in these positions where where these things can come get him. Cap is in a position where if the guns start firing at him or if the planes start firing at him, they're going to hit their own people. Yeah, it just it just seemed like one person got a very disproportionate response from Hydra than the other person did. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you there. But, I mean, I, th- I think it was just based on – I think that was mainly based on the fact that there are two different fighting styles. Yeah. And, play, and I'm, yeah, okay, it, I'm okay with it. If you liken it to one of the things I have said about every Iron Man movie that we have done, including the Avengers, is that I want to see War Machine do stuff. Yeah. And in this movie, I got to see Falcon do stuff. <laughs> That's a good point. So I'm not going to complain lot. because, like, man, they could have given him the War Machine treatment and he would have been there for, like, the last ten seconds. But instead, I got to see him fly around and do cool stuff and take out one of the carriers and get Cap on the other. And 
then, after the Winter Soldier rips one of his wings off, he gets to go take on Crossbones in, in the building and have a have an interesting fight and jump out a roof and land in a helicopter because, you know, 41st floor. 41st. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I'm not going to complain because oh, I've I've seen what happens when they they sidekick the other guy and they didn't really sidekick him. No, he was just I mean, he was a supporting character, but like yeah. he certainly didn't get the sidekick treatment. No, I mean, there was a couple of times where like even <laughs> I thought it was really fun because this is a guy who basically, you know, did his tour. I mean, he was obviously one of an, an a specialized unit, but he did his tour. He's out. He's a veteran. And then all these other like super integrated agents with all their training are now like treating him as one of them because he's standing with them. And he's just going like, listen, I'm just I'm just here to help Captain America. Yeah. And, you know, you can still kind of see, like, you can definitely see the contrast because between him and Rhodey in mm-hmm. Avengers 2. Yes. Because, like, while you never see the Falcon in action and you do get to see War Machine do some stuff, you look at the way, like, Cap treated Wilson and the way Stark treated Rhodes. Mm-hmm. Like, it's almost they treated them the same way their movies treated them. Yeah. I like, kind of like, like, Rhodey thought he was so impressive with his War Machine story. And they're like, oh, that's it? <laughs> Right, yeah. Yeah, whereas Wilson, like, he's just hanging out with Cap like a friend. Yeah, it, it, it was, I didn't feel so much like, like, Wilson got a, I felt like he got a lot more respect in this movie, which mm. I'm I'm glad of, because quite frankly, Sam Wilson was uh, a character that I, I really do enjoy in the comics, and I'm glad he got his fair shake, but I like how, you know, he, you have Sam Jackson, who's going to try to hunt down Hydra, and he turns to this guy that he met ostensibly last night and says, would you, individual I just met who showed that you are more than capable, like to hunt Hydra down with me? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it was, it's, it's, it's a wonderful treatment, and, and, uh, I really like being able to see him do some stuff. And then, and then you get, like, he still has a very nice action sequence with, with Crossbones, which I liked because he kept Crossbones from interrupting the meeting. Uh, he, uh, he, he was integral to the movie in a way that I haven't seen War Machine be yet, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, even with Civil War, like, you just, you just didn't see a whole lot of, like, War Machine necessity, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I, even in even in Civil War, I just you still Falcon still got more respect than yeah. War Machine just never gets respect in these movies, and I don't get it. But uh, anyway, um, moving on, then we get we got the final Cap fight, which went. It, the problem with it at this point is because when Cap has the final confrontation with Winter Soldier, you know exactly how it's going to go. I mean, maybe I don't know all the different action sequences and how they're going to choreograph it, but I know at some point Cap is going to switch out the cards. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you, I know, you know at it's some point successfully. Yeah, yeah. You know, at one point Bucky's going to come around, and when they fall into the water, as, as even as they're falling, I think to myself, Bucky's going to save them. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I, and, and so I, I guess that's maybe a little bit of an issue of when you know where they're going. Uh, it you know how they get there becomes a mystery, but like when you get really towards the end, you're like, well, there's only one direction this could go now. Yeah, well, I think the the other direction is like, okay, we know Bucky is going to save Cap, but is he going to stick around? Yeah, but no, he just kind of just goes off, to, right. to which go, which makes sense. And he shows up in the stinger as like trying to read about his own history to figure out what's going on with him. Yeah. So which I'm, makes sense. It does. I'm, it makes I'm perfect just saying, sense. Like yeah. he could have gone either way with that. Like he could have stuck around so that Steve could mm-hmm. tell him who he is. But instead, he said. Instead, he went off on his own. No, although so there was there was a a point where it, it just kind of didn't make sense because when they end it, uh, you have Nick Fury who's going to go off on his own and try to hunt down the remains of Hydra, 
and Cap says he's going to look for Bucky. Mm-hmm. But then you fast forward to Age of Ultron, and the Avengers are together. I mean, Natasha's back with them. They've all reassembled, and they're taking on the remains of Hydra, and Sam is looking for Bucky, and nobody knew where Nick Fury was except for Hawkeye's wife. I think I think Hill called called him, and that was that was the insinuation that Stark yeah. made. Oh, okay. I it's been a while. I <laughs> I shot in the dark there. Okay, but anyway, yeah. still, it's the point is is that you know Nick Fury was supposed to be the one who was hunting out Hydra, and and Captain America says no. I got more important things to do, and Natasha said I'm taking off too. But the next time we see these characters, they're all together. They're all fighting Hydra, and they're not doing what they said they would be doing. So it was yeah, just, it was it was a little bit of a jump. I think the difference, but that's not is... this movie's fault though. It's not like this movie oh, told no. them what to do. It's yeah, I think. I'm not entirely sure about Widow. Like, I guess it, I think what happened was like, you know, there's a reason it's Age of Ultron started with the scepter. It was, um, you know, it, you know, it was they needed a reason for all of them to come back together and like just, oh, hey, we're going to go after this Hydra guy. Like everyone's everyone probably would have said, no, I got other stuff to do. But yeah, throw in the scepter, you know, this hanging thread that was supposed to have been, you know, tied off at the end of the last one. It's like, okay, no, I'm in. Yeah. Like, so, well, let's go finish this one. So here's a, here's a question because in the, in the first stinger, we saw Baron of Von Strucker mm-hmm. with the scepter and, and the twins. I don't remember. Did he show up in, in Avengers two Baron Von Strucker? He was in the very beginning. Like the, he, his, his was the base that they were raiding for the right. But was his character uh, in it? Did he show yeah. up? Oh, okay. No, he was, he was in it. Okay. All right. So, I, I, I just, I, it's been a while for that one. So I, I have very, a... very brief. He had the whole scene at the base. Uh huh. Um, cap knocks him out. He goes to prison and then we find out later that Ultron killed him in prison. Okay. 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 Yeah. That's sounds vaguely familiar. I think I've blocked most of age of Ultron <laughs> because I was not a fan of that movie. Yeah. I, I, I find, I find it to be a lot of fun. So I still enjoy it, but I can definitely oh. see how, how, how it would drive a lot yeah. of people. And I have to watch it again because you know that's the next Marvel movie on the list. Yep. Yeah, because we already did Guardians. <laughs> yep, that's coming like a freight train, so I better get on board. Uh, anyway, I, I guess we have we have talked this movie to death, I believe. I think so. Well, there's a lot to talk about. There was, this and, was and a, a I have way. three pages of notes, and we've covered maybe half of it. And I'm looking at the time, going like, we should probably wrap this up. I think people yeah, are starting to be like, think. you guys just stop talking about Captain America for like ten seconds. <laughs> But there, I mean, there was there so was a much. lot going on in this movie, and very well done. It did not feel crowded. It was paced wonderfully. Oh, definitely, just so well written and well directed. Yeah, I I mean, the, to pick apart this movie, I had to pick apart the most minuscule of things, and like most of the stuff that you know you point at is stuff that's not really the fault of this movie. It's the fault of the movies that came before and after. Mm, yeah. So it was, I mean, and like yeah. you said, like nobody thought they were going to do this with Hydra. This was a huge twist. I remember when this movie came out because I didn't see it opening weekend or anything, and I don't get to see movies opening weekend. <laughs> but I remember hearing people saying like, "This movie has is huge. This movie has an impact to the point where I said to myself, I got to go see this thing.' Yeah, and because the problem was like people were dropping little hail Hydras on Twitter all the time. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, I, I gotta not. I better go see this movie before I figure out what that means, and the movie is spoiled for me. Yeah. And it did not spoil the the surprise. I should say, like, I was still. I think it still had the same impact on me when I found out. Man, everyone's Hydra. Like, everyone is Hydra. Yeah, it was like 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 maybe half of Shield. 
Yeah, it was there was very impactful when you like you saw like the divide between the Hydra plants, the, the Hydra sleepers and the shield guys, like especially yeah. when everyone had their guns pulled on each other and you'd get these moments where, you know, these guys would be like, "Well, Captain said not to do it," you know? Like it was it was a very impactful moment that kind of showed that this was a split. Yeah. And I liked how like it was very much in Captain America in his character because when uh when when Nick Fury said we can maybe salvage Shield, he's like, "No, no we cannot." This is the shield had Hydra under its nose. All right, something we we just gotta blow the whole system. Yeah, it's like I, I, I like I think he acknowledged like there are plenty of good people in the system, but it's so deep. It's been there so long. There's no way you can just pull out the weeds. You've yeah. got to just destroy it and start over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I I was. The one, the one thing at the very end of the movie that I thought I could have lived without was when they had the judicial hearing with Natasha Romanoff. Yeah. And she up and walks out, and then he's like, "Oh, what are you gonna do?" Well, I, 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 I kind of thought the importance of that scene was like, you know, you had these people that kind of let this happen. Mm-hmm. You know, grilling this person who was actually out there fighting these people, and and you know, just talking down to her, like like the one guy who says like, "You should be in a penitentiary, not mouthing off." Yeah. I just, I just feel like the the angry congressional hearing is becoming a little bit of a cliche in these superhero movies. Well, I think, yeah, yeah, I, th- I think cliche, but I still kind of, but I still think kind of valid because like these are people who, you know, they they're very safe and they and they deal with a lot of hindsight. It's like, oh well, you know, you should have done blah 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 blah. It's like. You weren't there, you jerk. Yeah, I just, I, I don't think it was a necessary scene, and yeah. But I mean, I get, I'm, I'm nitpicking, but well, th- well, thankfully in Civil War, you know, they kept it rather than a, a judiciary hearing, they had, you know, a meeting with the Secretary of State, which was, was, which worked a lot better, and I'm glad they did that yeah. with Civil War, and it was a very, that made the scene a lot more impactful. Uh, so anyway, I like how they, I like how they brought Incredible Hulk back around, you know, by bringing mm-hmm. in William Hurt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because uh, that that movie felt like it didn't get a lot of love. Like it, it we definitely got the Hulk out of it, but they don't yeah. really call back to it very often. So no, it was nice like, to they see had Hurt the comment back. about I broke Harlem. Yeah, and that was it. Yeah, basically. Uh, so it's it was kind of nice to see William Hurt back. Anyway, so I think I think now we're pretty safe to move on. Uh, <laughs> talk about what our favorite parts of the movie were. So Brian, what was your favorite part of Captain America: Winter Soldier? God, what part to pick? <laughs> this this was hard for me. I'll say this was hard. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd have to say the whole thing where they're interrogating Sitwell, like even like starting with, you know, Wilson, mm-hmm. um, sitting there like talking to him on the phone, like that's a really nice tie, and I'd hate to mess it up. Yeah. And then he takes him up to the, they take him up to the rooftops, like you know, you threatening to throw me off? That's not really your style. No, it's hers. And yeah. she kicks him off. Falcon saves him, like. And they he have that really brief everything. conversation about the girl with the lip ring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not ready for that. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. And and he drops the Stephen Strange Easter egg. Yeah, and I think the man from Cairo is supposed to be Moon Knight. Oh, oh, yeah, I could see that. And I would I would like to see that. I think Moon Knight is supposed to get Is is Moon Knight gonna get uh, a movie? I don't know if he's getting a movie. I think he's getting a Netflix series. Oh, okay. Or at least they're talking about it. Oh, make... all right. So 
Yeah, yeah, that that that's my favorite part. All right, so mine. Once I figured it out, there was really no equal. My favorite part was the elevator fight scene. Oh yeah, that was what I was thinking of earlier. That's a that's a really yeah, because everyone keeps kind of getting in, and the problem is it was in the trailer, so you knew where it was going. Mm. You know, but like everyone keeps getting in, they all are just trying to surround him, and then like he starts to notice one guy keeps having his hand on his gun, and and one guy is you know one guy swe- sweating sweating a little bit, and then he just he just kind of drops. A the line like so before we get started does anybody want to get off <laughs> just to kind of let them know like i know what's happening now and, and, it and you should know what's going to happen to you yeah and it, it worked really well and like the whole like the escape and going off from there it was it was really well done well paced and you know i just love seeing cap be able to do some stuff and that's that's not a scene you see very often is somebody having to fight while completely surrounded like that in such an enclosed space which yeah. was obviously chosen because they figured that's probably our best chance to actually overpower and take Captain America, and that's still how it ended. It was it was very well done. On, on that scene, um, I don't know if you noticed. Did you notice, like, you know, he jumps out of the window and you know, runs off, presumably to go get his motorcycle. Mm-hmm. When he got his motorcycle, he got his helmet too. <laughs> well, it's the law. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he. I don't think he's ever worn it like like. Uh, I don't think he's ever worn a helmet out of costume. No. Well, like I, I think because he was going to have to do some stunts, and so they needed yeah. to have a helmet. Well, I think it was probably yeah. also one of those things like, okay, we, we now that he's doing stuff, we have to find a way to get his helmet. So get his helmet. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's uh, I like the way they do his helmet, though, just that it's something that he can take off and not, yeah. not like the pajamas that was in Avengers when he just put the hood down. Like, it's actually a helmet that makes sense that would protect his cranium when he does stuff. Yeah, and, and I think that's where they put his earpiece. Yeah. Oh, that's true, too. All right. So what would you score Captain America Winter Soldier? Yeah, I would give Captain America Winter Soldier my parachute, even though it didn't need it. <laughs> I think that's very fair. <laughs> I would give Captain America Winter Soldier the very last propelled single pilot wingsuit in existence because it deserves it. Yes. Love this movie. Absolutely it, love it. It's, like this, it's one of my favorites. This one shot up to my favorite superhero movie, and it's – it's been up there for a while. Like yeah. like I said earlier, I, I can't decide which one I like more, this or Civil War. Yeah, I still say I like this better than Civil War, but I'm this was when I saw this movie, it blew away everything that had come before it, and I still don't think I've quite seen Marvel top it. This was really this is the best movie that they have produced. The Russo brothers did a phenomenal job. All the acting was on point. I mean, you just you can't get a movie this well done and polished these days, and it was very refreshing to have. What's really amazing about it is, like, they made a superhero movie out of a spy thriller. Yes. Which is what you get Robert Redford for. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so <laughs> Robert Redford was so good in this. I, I, I love the scene where we figure out whose side he's really on. Like, he sees the Winter Soldier in his apartment, and you're first thinking, oh, my God, like, he's scared out of his mind. The, mm-hmm. you know, like, is, is he there to kill him? And then he starts giving him orders. It's like, what? Yeah. And then he just kills his maid. Like, I wish you did not. <laughs> Yeah, that's although the killing the maid is almost like it don't like get it. He's evil, but I mean, you, well, you want to remove any doubt that he's he's evil. Yeah, I think that was that was just to reinforce it, right? You know, and it did the job. That was reinforced. Yeah. All right. So before we close out, now is the time in Hero Talk where we do final thoughts, where we each have about thirty seconds to a minute. I've eased the timing requirements on it. <laughs> 
where we could talk about anything we want uh, regarding this movie, not regarding this movie, anything that's going on, anything you want to plug. So, Brian, you got it's your soapbox for the next minute. Go. I can't wait for uh, Doctor Strange in the next Avengers. I see. Oh yeah, he's gonna be in the next one, right? Everyone's coming together. Oh yeah, like like Feige was already talking about like um um uh, like like Doctor Strange and Iron Man working together. That'd be that would be very interesting. I'm, and I'm if you think about that. that, that's like that's two Sherlock's teaming up too. <laughs> yeah, it is. I did not think about that. It sure is. That's wow, excellent. All right. Yeah. Another thing, I, I can't wait to see um. What was it uh, Brie Larson as uh, Captain Marvel? Yes, I'm very I'm really much looking forward, forward to that. that. They've, uh, I think they put out a statement that they said they were going to establish Captain Marvel as being the most powerful hero in in this cinematic yes. universe. Yeah, I've read Which, that too. I mean, Thor's kind of strong, I guess, but I like the Hulk. But I, you know what, Captain Marvel, and, and when I say Captain Marvel, I mean specifically the Carol Danvers edition of Captain Marvel. Yeah. is a character that I I like. I've loved. I mean, Carol Danvers, and I, I say Carol Danvers because there's been other Captain Marvels, and she was Ms. Marvel for a long time. Yeah. And she was so much more popular as a character than Captain Marvel. It's way overdue before they just, why don't we just make her Captain Marvel? Yeah, no, they finally did that a few years ago. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was overdue. I, I think yeah. this is a character that was so popular. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that the character is like finally the main front stay of the character, and that you don't have some other Marvel guy in the background who's filling, filling yeah. the role. Although, if you ask me, the best Captain Marvel is the one that shouts Shazam, but uh, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Um, anyway, so my final thoughts, uh, so I said this in the last podcast I recorded, but since this one's actually going to publish first, I probably should just say it again, so you'll get to hear this in the next Hero Talk as well, but I recently was able to be a guest on another podcast, uh, the Gamers Without Borders podcast, and I had a really fun time, so, uh, if you get a chance, check out, I was on Gamers Without Borders, uh, podcast episode 31, uh, great time, thanks guys for having me, and go check it out, that's all. All I got for final thoughts, Brian, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. All right. If you want to hear any more content or any watch any videos, read any articles, you can check out Enthusiacs.com. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Keyword is Enthusiacs. And until next time, this is Judge Greg saying, on your left. Oh, Cubs fans are going to be so insufferable after this. Mm. And I say this as a Boston fan. (laughs) Bear in mind. (laughs) So this is the pot calling the kettle black? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.